excited to speak to you guys today and um, yeah, I'm just going to start and um, we'll go from there. Okay, so I want to just kind of paint this scenario for you. Um, you know, the disciples, we've been talking about being a student of the kingdom. Bill's been talking about it. Colt's been talking about it. And um, so I'm, I was thinking about this um, text and the disciples. And one day the disciples are with Jesus, right? They've been students of the kingdom for a while. Um, at this point, they've heard um, the Sermon on the Mount. They've seen miracles. They've seen deliverance. They've gone out on their own. And they have... Um, seeing God use them in powerful ways. Peter has walked on the water. Um, they have seen and they have learned about the kingdom. And then they come one day and they are sitting with Jesus and they're like, hey, all right, we've done a lot. We've seen a lot. We want to know. We have this one question we want to ask you. Okay, so, so who is the greatest Who's, who's the best, Jesus? Like, who? We've seen so much. Who is the greatest? You know, they've seen the transfiguration. And so you have James and John and Peter. So they probably were thinking maybe one of them. And they're asking this, like, who's the one? Who's that one? And maybe they're thinking, like, okay, once he tells me, then, I'll, then I'm like, okay, I'm on that team, right? Okay, I'm kind of like Peter. I'm bold and, you know, aggressive and full of faith, and so, so I, you just wonder what their thought process was, and so, oh, thank you, so, I'm going to get emotional, because the worship was so good, so Jesus, he's with all his disciples, right, they've done so much, so, so much, and he calls a little child to him, and places this little child on his lap, and he says, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like a little child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of God. Whoever takes this lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of God. And we're in this journey right now where we want to see how Jesus sees things, right? And, and Jesus is saying the greatest in the kingdom is children. Have you guys ever thought about why you would say that or what that means? So some of you know, and all of you may not know, but I'm a mom, I have three children, so um, my oldest one is almost six, so I've kind of been studying children for about six years. I'm a professional mother, <laughs> and I know a lot about children. <laughs> I'm studying one of the greatest in the kingdom, right? So I wanted to share with you guys today the revelations and what I've seen, what I've observed about children, and maybe just bring in a little... Um, revelation to you guys why maybe Jesus would have said that the greatest in the kingdom are the children. And I tell this to my girls sometimes, and Colt, my husband and I were like, okay, who does Jesus love the best? Who's the best? I'm like, children! <laughs> um, so it's just kind of fun because I know that they're valued in the kingdom. So the first thing, I have a couple qualities I'm going to go through, and um, 
I hope to get through them all, but if Holy Spirit just camps somewhere, we'll see. We'll, we maybe just camp there. Um, but um, if I go like this, is the camera still okay if I'm on this side? Yeah, that's good. Okay. Because <laughs> I don't want to just be here. Um, I'm going to go like this. Okay. So the first thing I see in children is their sense of joy. And maybe you guys, that might be the first thing that you think of when you think of a child. It's their joy. And maybe we think of like them dancing, right? And, and maybe sometimes when we think like have childlike faith, that's where we think and that's kind of where we stop. And that's a great place to start. Um, but the one thing I, so I'm going to talk a little bit about joy right now. The one thing I really noticed is that children have this baseline in their life of joy. Like, even if they get hurt, even if they get frustrated, once they process that with, like, their parents or someone safe and secure, they immediately go back to that place of joy. They wake up in the morning full of joy, bright-eyed and ready to go. Um, and I think that that is really interesting. And as I was thinking about that, I was like, well, why? Why, why do they always have this joy? They're very present, you know. Um, they are so present that they usually forget, right, those pains and those things once they've left. So they don't really hold on to offenses. Um, they, they have really great, if you're in a safe and secure family, right, these children have parents who are taking care of their needs, so they don't have to worry about that. So as I was reflecting, I was like, oh, yeah, so they don't really have to worry about the past. You know, they don't have regrets yet. They don't have regrets from the past. They don't have broken relationships yet, so they don't have that bitterness yet. They don't have suspicion about the future, about people. And, and so as I was reflecting on this, I was like, hmm, wow. And like we kind of see that with children, they're really joyful, but we kind of do think like, oh, but they're going to grow up. They're going to face the real world. And maybe you guys grew up and faced the real world and, world and you face that rejection, right? You face that, that brokenness. You face the loss of innocence. And that robbed you of your baseline joy. And while, you know, the world kind of gives us coping mechanisms to kind of live with that pain, the gospel, right, gives us a full solution. Because the reality is that Jesus died for our sins, right? And he, he was raised from the dead. And, and when he came back, we now have a new life. We have that new relationship with Jesus. We now, maybe we don't have good relationships with our parents or with our friends, and maybe we're still working that out in the earthly realm. But actually, if you have a relationship with Jesus, now you do have perfect relationship again, right? You have a perfect father. You have Holy Spirit in your life. You have Jesus. And so... I feel like with the whole joy, I feel the invitation because the scripture says unless you change and become like a child, you can't enter the kingdom. And I feel with this whole baseline of joy, the Holy Spirit's really wanting to say to us today that, yeah, you have that, that all, but will you change? And will you come back and let me restore your sense of joy, your baseline joy. Let me restore the innocence. Let me restore. Let me take your bitterness. Let me take the brokenness that you have lived in. And for some of you, it may be a daily thing, but I feel the invitation is to change and become like a child into that innocent, hope-filled, joyful place. Uh, you know, and I was kind of, this is just so random, but um, not random, but I was thinking about this, you know, and how in the scripture it says the joy of the Lord is our strength. Um, and it also, you know, it says, um, 
that um, a happy heart is good medicine. And you know what I was thinking? I was like, oh my gosh, maybe that's why kids are so, have so much energy. I mean, if you think about it for a second, if they have this joy, could that be why they have so much energy through just life, you know, and through the day? And, and I, I just, so I feel like just even looking at a child's capacity to just go hard all day, I feel it's connected to joy. But we can have that, right, in the Lord. We can change. Unless we become like a child, we can change. And I really feel like the invitation is like the constant giving of the burdens, constantly throwing off what has held you back, right? The Hebrews 12.1, like throw off, unless you throw everything off that hinders, you can't run the race. And I kind of see that those pains and those things are keeping us from our joy, the joy that Christ died on the cross for, right? So I really, um, yeah, so... So that's the first one, that children have a baseline of joy. And the invitation is that we can go back to that place because of Jesus. So the next one that I see that children, a quality that children have that I think is really important to the kingdom is children walk in continuous fellowship with their parents. So, I mean, if anyone's been a parent or has been with kids, babysat kids, they, little kids, love when you play with them, right? They always want to play with you. They always want to play with you. <laughs> and they always are asking, will you play with me? Will you play with me? Will you play with me? Um, and my little Lilu, she's uh, four, just turned four. She is a picture of this. So, so we, she's home right now. Her older sister's in school. We just had a baby. It's snowing. It's quarantine. We are living in our two-bedroom apartment. And Lila is an extrovert. She's full of life. And I'm the only one around. <laughs> so she does this little sweet thing um, where she will play. And she's, like, in the living room. And whenever I'm trying to work on stuff, because, you know, I'm always, like, trying to fit things in, she'll play. And then she'll come. She'll run in. And she'll, like, oh, mommy, mommy, mommy. The, whatever, the, the doll is now going to the store. I'm like, oh, okay. And then she runs out, and she's in, a few minutes later, she comes back in. Oh, and now they have in, they're in the car. I'm like, oh, okay. And she runs out. It's like, oh, and now, da, 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 da. And she does this constant, like, little flow of play, run in, connect with me, go out, play, run in, do her work, run in, connect with me. But think about your walk with the Lord if it looked like that, right? Like, she, what's so interesting is in her play, in her work, she, um, if her connection with me is, it doesn't interrupt. It's just continuous. It goes in and out. It feeds her actually, right, in a sense. And so it's not even the stopping thing. It's so fluid. And the movement of her connecting and fellowshipping with her parents is just second nature. And I, I just, as, as maddening as that can be sometimes for me, <laughs> when I'm trying to get something done, the beauty of that. And, and there was this time when I was, I was like, ah! And the Holy Spirit just began to speak to me about this is what it looks like to be a child of the kingdom. This is what it really looks like to be in fellowship with me. You know, you invite me in and, and you respond and there's this flow um, that we have just kind of, like when I think of the verse, John 15, 4, right? If you remain in me and I remain in you, right? Then you can produce much fruit is really what the verse says. And, and that, you know, remain in me, abide in me, dwell in me, stay attached to me. 
And children have that really beautiful thing. Um, and I think that's also a connection to the baseline of joy, is that because of that fluid connection and fellowship with their parents, with the father, with the mother, they feel that security constantly. And I wonder sometimes, too, if we don't have that joy because we're not secure enough in our connection with God. And so that continuous fellowship is an invitation, once again, to say, get, get more attached to me, right? Attached to me a little bit more. Make it more continuous. And that will also feed your joy, your security in life. So, my number one was the joy. The children are joyful. They live in this baseline of joy. The second one, that children are in constant fellowship with their parents. The third one, the next one I want to talk about are children are open to the impossible. I really like this about kids. I'm very creative, and so I love their openness. And I can watch it in their play. Um, just the other day, Lila, like, I was, <laughs> once again, we live in a two-bedroom apartment. We have three children, so our home is kind of almost just an entire playpen. Unfortunately, Sarah came over the other day, and I was like, oh, this is, isn't how it always is. But so like <laughs> the other day, Lilo, I was like, they had gone out, and I was just like, gonna tidy up a bit. And I go over to the, the couch, and I look at my like velvet pillows, they're like the one nice thing, right? And I look, and I'm like, what is in this? Like, what is this? And I open it up, it's like the My Little Ponies, all stuffed in there. And I was like, Lilu, what did you do? What is this? And she's like, oh no, it's, it's just, they're in a spaceship. And I feel like that happens a lot where I'm like, oh, what are you doing? They just dump out all the toys. They're like, oh, well, Sally had to, had to get these all out because it rained. I'm like, no, 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 what are you actually doing? Like, their openness and creativity, right, is so, so cool and beautiful. Um, and I love to, like, the other day, too, once again, Lilu, we're, like, hanging out. So she's on my stories right now. Um, she had a stethoscope, and she was taking, like, her her dolls and taking them over and they were like flying and landing somewhere and she wasn't using it as a stethoscope and I find you know a lot of times like with humans and actually there's a study I remember watching this documentary a long time ago about brains and creativity and they would show kids like this blob this picture of a blob and they're like oh it's a star with like a, a you know a I don't know a dinosaur driving over it and then the adults like it's a blob it's black on a piece of paper and that rigidity that we kind of get as adults, right, is it kind of can limit us from thinking of impossible situations, thinking beyond possibility, reality sometimes, right? And I love that about kids, like they don't have that preconceived rigidity. And so, yeah, the stethoscope doesn't have to be that. It can be, you know, this doesn't have to be a nice pillow. Some things there are boundaries on, right? There is true. <laughs> there is black and white. So we're, we're teaching her that. I'm teaching her that one. But um, I love that they are so open to all these different scenarios and possibilities. And, and if you think about in the Bible, the Bible really highlights the success stories of the ones who were open to the impossible, right? Like, I mean, no one has a baby at 90 years old right? Like, no one just sings around a building and makes it crumble. 
right? Nobody, no teenager takes five little stones and exactly mathematically hits it right in the dead center of this giant, giant and makes him die and then totally shifts the kingdom. Nobody does that. And so you see, I feel like in adult life, we can kind of get that, you know, that that's not possible, I'm sorry, you know, and that can limit us. But children, I love that they are still open to the impossible. And I love that I actually want to just turn and read David. There is this, um, so I'm going to turn really quickly to 1 Samuel 17, 39, verse 39. Um, when I was a child, there's a song that I would sing at my church, like, famous kids of the Bible. I was, I don't know if anyone else knows that song. <laughs> but I was, like, thinking about, I'm like, okay, who are the famous kids? And they, like, say, David and Rhoda and the, the servant girl for Nahum and, um, and, like, the boy with the fish and the loaves, right? So I was like, oh, let me go back to David because he's a famous kid of the Bible. Um, I think he was, like, a teenager. But I just want to read, starting um, chapter 17, 1 Samuel, chapter 17, if you want to open with me, uh, verse 39. We'll just start there. So this is the time he's already said, like, hey, Saul, I'm going to go. I'll, I'll fight him. Um, and then Saul tries to give him his armor. And he says, I cannot go in these, he says to Saul, because I'm not used to them. He, so he takes them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with a sling in his hand, approached the Philistines. Um, and then skipping down, well, first of all, actually in verse 43, it's kind of fun, Goliath sees him, and he says, he said to David, am I a dog that you can come at me with sticks? I feel like that really shows, like, dude, you're a kid. You know what I mean? Like, what are you doing? This is adults play. This is adult situation. You know what I mean? Um, and so right there, I, I get the sense that he's a, a kid. And this, I've never seen this before, but I'm going to read this kind of, if I can, like a kid, because this is David's response. And to me, this is a kid's, like, when they're in that anything's possible position, right? So David says to the Philistines, will you come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin? But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down, and I'll cut off your head. This very day I'll give you the carcasses of the Philistines' armies to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it's not by a sword or a spear, and that the Lord saves, so the battle is the Lord, and he will give all of you into my hands. Like, if you read that, it's kind of really exciting, because that is, I could just imagine him in his, like, yeah, and God's going to do this, and God is going to do this. And I just invite you, like, if we entered the Bible in our relationship with God with that, like, and then God's going to do this, and then God's going to do this. Not like, okay, this is against me, this is against me, this is against me. It's not going to happen. But instead being like, this is against me, this is against me, this is against me, and I'm going to bring my sticks, and I'm going to bring my stones, and I'm going to throw them at you, and then everyone in the whole world is going to know that God saved today. You know, like we entered with that openness. Wow. Wow. And just even encountered the word thinking like that. I mean, I think about when it says, you know, that um, all the um, the 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 saints, you know, are praying for us, right? And, and, I, and I was thinking about that. I was trying to engage the Bible with, with that excitement. It's like, oh, normally I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that's cool. I, 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 whatever. I don't really know what that means, right? But to be like, whoa, 
I have this whole cloud of witnesses praying for me and, like, cheering me on. Like, if I really read that with that openness and that childlike, what would that do to my spirit? And so I invite you, the invitation is, like, enter into the word with the openness of a child to say, like, what would that look like, you know? Like, and, and I just, yeah, I, I really believe that there is this, yeah, if you just look through the word and even the loaves and the fishes, right, with the little boy, uh, you know, it's like I feel like Jesus was constantly kind of so generous as he offered hints to the disciples, you know. We don't want to put the disciples under the bus because we probably would all be in that position. So as much as you want to be like, oh, the disciples didn't do that, uh, you know, we need to honor them. <laughs> but, like, it was really sweet. He was like, well, oh, you know, when he's like, okay, everyone's hungry. We just send them back. He's like, well, what, why don't we feed them? And they're like, oh, there's nothing here. We should go back. He's like, well, what do we have? Um, and I love that he was kind of opening, helping to unlock that idea of impossibility. But I love that it was a child. And I could just imagine him being like, I don't know. I have two fish and five loaves. I, I don't know. What could God do with this? Maybe he could do something, you know? And I, I, so I just invite you. That, that next invitation is enter the word. Enter your relationship with God with an openness for what he can do. Look at all the facts. And then say, Okay, now what can God do? So the first one that we can learn from children, right, is there is a baseline. They live in that baseline of joy, right? The invitation is to stay in that baseline, to get back to that baseline of joy, to let go of the things that have weighed you down and come back into that baseline of joy. And the second invitation, right, that we can learn from children is the constant fellowship with Father God. That if you're anxious and afraid, perhaps it's because you're a little detached in your relationship with God. And that constant can be every, I'm telling you, Lily, that's just like every 30 seconds. I kid you not. <laughs> so if you need it every 30 seconds, go there. <laughs> and that third that children can teach us, the invitation is to, this, to look to the word and engage with God with an openness that you're open to the impossible happening. So my next thing that we can learn from children is that children are constantly curious and very sensitive. And this curiosity and sensitivity makes them very interruptible. And sometimes we could say distracted, but I'm going to say interruptible and why that's good. So I, children are very curious, right? Like many of you probably can attest to the times when, I mean, in that Home Alone, I'm sure you all remember in Home Alone when that kid's in the car, if you've seen Home Alone, he's like, does this have a da-da-da-da? Does this have, I don't know, he's asking all the questions about the car and the guy's like, I don't know, okay, get lost. Do you guys remember that in Home Alone? Maybe you do or don't. But kids ask so many questions. Why this? Why that? Why, like, Oh, my goodness, it's crazy. Um, and I find that as a mom, they ask these questions that sometimes can just, it's just Holy Spirit, and it just goes, bing, right to me. And I get a little offended, honestly. And that's interesting, because I think Holy Spirit really does use them when you get offended, right? Like, so Fern, because I'm being really honest with you guys right now. So Fern asked me one day, okay, so I have three. Uh, Florence was just born. We're just doing it. And raise your hand if you're a mom. You're like, it gets overwhelming. And you say, I can't handle this, right? Like, you just say that. And I'm saying that probably to cold. I probably said that. So I'm probably like, oh, my gosh, this is too much. I can't handle this. I'm so stressed out. Like, this is too much. 
Everybody looks at me, she's like, well, why'd you have so many children if it was too much? <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. And in the moment, I was so fitting, I'm like, I felt like I was like this 13-year-old, you know, who was like really irresponsible. I'm like, no, this is like fine, and people do this, and like three is not too much. You know, I just like got so offended, and she'll say things like this, right? And I think, uh, yeah, and so I was like, but it actually was interesting. It brought me to a place of the Holy Spirit where we kind of had two conversations. One was, why is too much or hard? Why, first of all, why is that a bad thing? And two, why am I trying to, like, like really, like, why, like, yielding more to, more to the Lord, right? Like, why, one, sometimes we do think hard is bad. And I feel like that, like, I just want to be out of the season because it's hard. And that there's an invitation, right, to lean more into the Father. There's an invitation to allow Holy Spirit to work out fruits of the Spirit in me, right? Um, and so I think that that, I actually would never come to that place probably if my daughter hadn't asked me straight up, well, if it's hard, why'd you have so many children? <laughs> but there is that invitation. I love, their curiosity is really wonderful. Um, and those questions, that curiosity is, um, it really, it's something that I, I, I feel like a lot of times as parents, um, we kind of just want to answer and move on. But I feel like there is a, an opportunity that Holy Spirit really does speak through that. And the other thing is, too, their sensitivity, right? The curiosity and their sensitivity, um, they're very curious and very sensitive. And that curiosity and sensitivity leads to interruption. So I notice that kids are very sensitive. Babies, really sensitive, right? Like they're playing with something. Someone walks in. They're like, who's that? You know? They're, like, they're just so you, – they're constantly distracted but they're sensitive. And you think about the situation, I'm sure many of you have seen this, where you try to walk to, you watch someone walking to like the store with their kid or walking to the subway. And it's a classic situation. I'm sure all of you can see. It's like, okay, I got to get to the grocery store and unfortunately I have to bring my child with me. And I know it's now it's going to take an hour instead of 20 minutes. And you're like walking, they're like, what's that? And you're like, oh, it's a dog. It's like, well, why is the dog going back to the bathroom outside? Because I do. Well, why don't humans? Like this literally has been a question. I'm like, I don't know. And then they're like, there's something in my shoe. I'm like, it's okay. Let's keep going. No, but it's really bothering me. I'm like, I know, but let's just keep going. And they're like, but I can't go because it's in my shoe. And, I, you know, and it's like that sensitivity, the questioning, and the openness is like the perfect storm to not getting to your destination, right? <laughs> so as I was thinking about this, though, I was like, ah, oh, this kind of reminds me of a story in the Bible with Jesus. So I want you to turn to Luke 8 with me. And this is like, I'm like, this is the store. This is like the disciples are just trying to get to the store. And Jesus is just sensitive. Jesus is sensitive, sensing what the spirit wants to do. So, okay, so this is um, starting verse 40. All right. So now Jesus returned. A crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jarius, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl about 12, was, about, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Jesus said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. I'll add this. He doesn't seem to just like, let's just keep going, right? But Jesus said, someone touched me. 
I'm adding this, but it's like, it's not a big deal. Let's just keep going. Come on, synagogue leader, this is our opportunity to totally, like, market the gospel and change the, the Jewish culture, right? Like, synagogue leader, if you heal this child, this, this girl, it's going to blow everything up, right? Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. To me, that's like that sensitivity. You know, like that, there's something in my shoe. Like there's this sensitivity. And, and that's the sensitivity to the spirit and what the spirit wants to do. Like not trying to put the, if I was a disciple, I'll say this. If I was a disciple, I would relate to Peter and I'd be like, let's just keep going. You know, and I would have missed this moment. I would have missed this, this healing. If, I, if the disciples, if I was a disciple and I was in charge of that day's agenda. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. Like, just pause for a second. She was probably so used to being unnoticed. And Jesus' sensitivity said, no, I notice you. And I know I have to get somewhere, but I'm, it's not going to rob me of the journey and what you have for me in the journey. I'm going to be sensitive. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. And while Jesus was speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. And there was no openness, right? There was no, like, the do- your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said, don't be afraid. Just believe just believe. Well, that seems a little elementary, don't you think? Just believe. No, he's dead. So don't be afraid. Just believe. And she will be healed. And unfortunately, if I was a disciple in this moment, not putting the disciples on the bus, but just where I think I would be, I'd be like, I think she's dead. You know, like, I don't think it's worth it. This was our moment to kind of blow up the gospel, to like heal a synagogue leader's daughter this was a really big moment and like who's this woman you know like maybe that was the thought maybe that would have been my thought when they arrived so Jesus keeps going when he arrived at the house of Jairus he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter John and James and the child's father and mother meanwhile all the people were wailing and mourning for her stop wailing Jesus said she's not dead but asleep And he's just kind of like, you know, I don't know what he's saying there. But anyway, they laughed at him knowing she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. And her spirit returned. And at once she stood up. And then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. That openness, guys, to miracles, the sensitivity, the curiosity to not just be like, I got to get to the store, you know, but like, oh, something does bother me. Well, well maybe Holy Spirit, cure. Holy Spirit, are you doing something right here? Like, what are you doing, you know? And this is what I really love about this story is Jesus took time for the process. He took time to stop, and he was able to complete and accomplish what he needed to accomplish at the destination, And I think a lot of times as adults, we're really focused on the destination and so afraid that we want to accomplish and get and do what we need to do in the destination that we miss 
this whole hour of time, this whole 30 minutes of time. But with child, they're so present. They're just like, that curiosity, that sensitivity allows them to see every moment is a moment that they, that could be something that God wants to do. So that leads me to my last point about journey, speaking of the journey and children, you know, um, not so destination focused. The last thing I see, I'll just repeat them again. Um, first, the invitation, right, is children are joyful. Their baseline in life is joy. And the invitation is let go and come back to that baseline of joy. The second one is children in constant fellowship with their parents. And that constant fellowship feeds them. It sustains them. It, it, it creates the enjoyment for them. And the third one, children are open to the impossible. And encountering the word of God with that openness for the impossible. Encountering, bringing God into our situations with that impossible thinking. The next one, children are constantly curious and very sensitive. And this curiosity and sensitivity makes them very interruptible. And staying like a child is being interruptible. Letting the Holy Spirit interrupt you. And the last one, at Florence, my four-month-year-old four is teaching me is children are very surrendered to the process of development. So Florence... You know, a baby is really fun to watch because, well, one, they don't talk, and that's really enjoyable right now. <laughs> I'm joking, joking. <laughs> and they do whatever you want. So you just take them wherever you want to take them. No, joking. Um, growth with them is really slow. And there is this, I was watching, you know, Florence the other day and just watching how she's like, learning how to roll over, right? And which she'll, she's learning how to roll over, which eventually she'll sit up. But the amount of time it takes to practice rolling over, just rolling over, is like five, six months. She's almost five months. She's still doing it, right? And I see this humbleness where she's willing, like she'll roll over, she's doing her little tummy time, and there's a point when babies are kind of like, ah, this hurts. And so you roll them back over. But right when you roll them back over, they immediately kind of forget, and they're like, ah, full of joy, full of love, and then they roll back over, you know, and they, and then they do it for a little bit, and then they kind of get bored, or they hurt, their arms hurt, and they scream, ah, and you were like, help roll them back over, but they're like doing this, and there's this interesting, like, surrender to the process, and I see that growth is really, really slow, and like these, if you look really closely, all these little steps, like a lot of times we want them to sit up, you know, and we want the exciting moments of development. And the rolling over is fun, but then after they first do it, you're like, okay, come on, let's get over this and let's move on to the next thing. But children, it takes a long time for them to grow those muscles. And I will say, you should check out Lilu's, our Florence's abs. Man, they are hard as a rock. I kid you not. You put her down. You can all look, and you can just see, like, she does this amazing, she's like Pilates every day. She has the strongest core in the world right now. Um, but you see her just working and working and working. And I, and I love that there is this, this humility to say, like, Mom, Dad, I don't have this. I mean, I got it. Let's move on. I know what I'm doing. 
you know? Like, there isn't that that I'm going to tell you or, like, let's move on, you know? Like, and there's this surrender to it, too, because she doesn't know why she needs to do this, you know? Like, it's just God built it in our bodies to just practice and practice and practice these little steps that will eventually give us the strength to move on to the next step, to move on to the next phase of life, right, to move on to the next place of development. But there's a long time that it takes in that process. And I feel that that's really important, you know, for us to understand and to yield more into that process that God has us each on. And I think as a mom, um, for me, this has been a, a, the process is kind of like my, if you know me or have any relationship with me, you know, like I'm really been in a season where I've surrendered more to the process that God has me on. Hold on. Um, and, and there is, and it's interesting just as a mom, so kind of what this has taught me, like Lilu, watching Lilu, watching Florence, um, is sometimes a process it feels like, you know, we have these little things that get in our way, right? Like, like with Florence, it's like if she could just like, I don't know, if she just had more strength, she could move on and she could sit up. And so this was something that kind of, I had this conversation with Holy Spirit, totally being honest again, that I have my list of things I want to accomplish and do. And like think about COVID, right? Like kind of saw those advertisements like if you don't have a degree by the end of COVID, if you don't build your business by the end of COVID, then what have you been doing, you know? And that pressure to have to produce and to like get like, oh yeah, I, you know, started this whole company and I studied at Harvard online because you can do everything online, you know, like that list of what you can accomplish. There's so much pressure. And the Lord's really been speaking to me about the slowness of growth and, and, and his syllabus in my life. And so there was this one day when I was frustrated because I've been, you know, trying to work on these writing things. And I was like, God, I'm thinking this. I didn't say it out loud. But I definitely thought it. Kind of like, these kids are getting in the way of what I want to do. And the Lord, the Holy Spirit said, you know, Vanessa, you think these kids are getting in the way of what you want to do but actually they are the way of what I want to do in you. And these obstacles that sometimes we want to just get out of the way, and if they just get out of the way, then I can do what I want to do. They're actually the way to what God wants to do in us. And, and I realized, like, being surrendered to the process means saying, okay, God, what's your, what's your syllabus? Um. Actually, in the worship team, if you want to come up, you can kind of start coming up. Um, what's your syllabus, you know? And <laughs> I kind of got this picture. Like we're, you know, before maybe COVID or the fall hit, Holy Spirit, Father God, Jesus, we're out there. And you're like, you know, what do you want to work on with Vanessa? And they're like, oh, okay. Well, all right, we have it. Okay, so let's first set up the scenario. Okay, so let's give her her second child who has to be a girl so she can externally process and, and really relational. So she needs a lot of relationships. Let's give her to her about 2017. And, and then the pandemic will hit. She won't be in school yet. So she'll just, and she'll only have her mom around, right? So she'll really just need a lot of relationship. And, and she'll just be so creative that she'll just, she'll just want to just like keep asking mom to play with her, interrupt her, and just doing all this stuff. And, oh, and let's also give her a baby in the fall because she thinks that she kind of 
has it together with these two kids, but we want her to know that she doesn't have it together <laughs> and that she needs to rely on us more, so we need to give her a third child because <laughs> she, she can manage too, but I mean, it was getting a little too sweet. You know, they're growing up, and it's like, so, okay, let's give her that, and then, okay, and then what's going to happen? She still has this desire to work on these things, but you know what? Let's have her second child come in, like, Every five minutes and after, no, let's, let's do like two minutes, right? Okay, every two minutes. Actually, I think we should do about every 30 seconds. This will really grow what we want to grow with her. And they're like, oh, yeah. And the Holy Spirit, I just hear the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is like this loving mother, but like so direct. Like, mm. And now we're going to produce in her self-control. <laughs> and it's like, oh, that sounded so sweet, but actually self-control? No! Like, I did not, like, you know, you're like, oh, that sounds really nice. But you know what it takes to get self-control? If you ask Holy Spirit to give you self-control, let me tell you, it is painful. It is so maddening because he's going to, like, throw all this stuff at you. And in that moment, when you want to be like, shut you have to surrender and say, <laughs> like, shake and be like, okay, I want to muzzle my mouth. Like, I yield to your self-control, Holy Spirit. You know, and I feel like I have those times where I'm just like, I got it, okay. All right, wow, I've grown, I've gotten self-control. And the other times I'm just like, oh my gosh, get me out of this, get me out of this, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to go. You know, and the other day I felt like I had that. Like it was Wednesday and I was just like, I can't even do this sermon. I don't even know what I'm doing and there's no time. And I'm like, God, I'm done, I'm ready, I'm ready. And I feel like in that moment, you know, like Holy Spirit, Father God, Jesus, are just like, they're looking at each other like, let's just roll her right back over again. Touche, God. And they have to be like, just like on my back, you know, smiling. <laughs> I'm going to roll back over and then be in that position, you know, and freak out. But the syllabus of the Holy Spirit, right? The syllabus of the Lord, you know, and the other thing too, it's like in that moment, I feel like what I'm praying for too is like breakthrough, breakthrough. And we pray that in the prophetic culture. If you've been part of like more of a prophetic church, like you pray breakthrough, breakthrough, breakthrough. And there was this one time where the Lord was, I was like, like in this situation in mothering, which is so wonderful, but sometimes, man, it refines you so much. I'm like, I don't want to be refined anymore. I just want to do my thing. Um, and I was like, where is the breakthrough? You know, woe is me. I'm having my own pity party. I'm like, God, you pray. The prophet said, breakthrough, breakthrough. And the Lord's like, you're in your breakthrough. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, you're in the breakthrough of patience. I'm like, what? What do you mean? Like, oh, yeah. The breakthrough of the gifts of the spirit that's what i love to do like those are my breakthroughs and it's like oh <laughs> maybe i shouldn't brave a breakthrough anymore no i'm joking we want breakthrough we want breakthrough but we want the lord's breakthrough and you know and that's one of the things i've really learned is I have a lot of I had a lot of human goals for myself, yeah. And with children, sometimes the reality is you're like, here's my list. Nothing got done today, <laughs> and I've learned to surrender. But I know, you know, I know in the kingdom this season, we can start start to check off self control. But that's beautiful, right? And so I just want to encourage you guys in your season, surrender to the process. And the breakthrough is here if you're, like, stretched. That is your breakthrough because you're learning patience, you know? The breakthrough's here if you're like, I want to slap this person. You're learning love, you know? <laughs> you're in a place of breakthrough. <laughs> you know, self-control, gentleness, kindness. 
children are surrendered to the process of development. So yeah, we're just gonna close it here. I'm just gonna pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are with us. I thank you, God, that you are our Father. Unless we change and become like a child, God, and humble ourselves like a child, we take the lowly position of a child, God, we want to enter the kingdom. We want to enter the kingdom. So Jesus, if you said that we must change and become like a child, we want to do that. So I just pray right now, God, for those who need to get back to that baseline of joy. I pray, God, for the healing, the restoration, that they will be able to give up their disappointment, that they'll be able to surrender their past, let go of their suspicion of the future and of people. I pray, God, that they can enter into that continuous fellowship with you that is their attachment, that is their security. God, I pray, God, that we will just stay open to the impossible of what it says in your word, what you want to do in our lives, that we will stay open to the fact that you do impossible things. And God, make us curious and sensitive to your spirit that we will be interruptible with what you want to do in our lives, what you want to do on the journey before we get to the destination. And God, I pray that we will totally yield and surrender to the process that you have us on of maturing, that you are working the fruits of the spirit in our lives. You are making us like you, and that is the ultimate goal. That is a life well lived when we, we yield to your process and allow you to, to form us into who you want us to be, into the likeness of Jesus. So yes, Father, we thank you that you are a good Father and help us to become those children so we can truly enter the kingdom of heaven. Amen.